Welcome back to our second Hot Off the Press uh, Discover Ad Personal episode. This is our third one we have rolled out so far. So I feel like we're finally in a groove. We're starting to settle into them a little bit more. And they're honestly becoming something that I really look forward to each month, like bringing you this more personal side of us. I can't believe this is already our third one. I do think this one will be more of the style moving forward of what they look like. I feel like our first two, you know, we kicked this off in July with a meet your host and then in August with like a meet your host husbands. So it was much more like our origin story, our relationship stories, like meeting each other. Whereas this one, we are like, I don't know. I came into it knowing we were going to have to get more personal. Um, and it's actually kind of funny. Daniel and I were at a like family birthday party this weekend with a group of our friends. And Daniel asked me a question that was kind of similar to one of the questions the disco sent in. And I literally wouldn't tell him. I was like, no, I don't want to answer that. I want to keep it fresh for the podcast. You can tune in to Hot Off the Press if you want my answer, Daniel. Um, and so I just, I, I'm excited to kind of like spill the tea a little bit. It's spill the milk, Tar. I don't know how many times I have to remind you. It's spill the milk. Spill the milk. Okay, so we are spilling the milk today. We're going to be diving into our lives as kind of women in ag, but I don't, we're going to get a little juicier. Yeah, and we did let you guys pick. We had you guys submit all the questions and then we pulled from that. So we love when you guys do that and we'll continue to do that moving forward with all of our personal episodes. So you can either email us, you can DM us like if there's ever a topic or a question you have for us. Um, we intentionally put them out like the week before you know, we're recording this to collect those. But if there's ever anything that pops in your mind when you're listening um, or just randomly throughout the month, please reach out to us because we love to obviously talk about what you guys want to hear us talk about. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about maybe our unconventional paths to agriculture a little bit. We've kind of alluded to this that Natalie and I both didn't necessarily see our lives in ag as we, you know, became adults and as we went off to college even. And it's something actually that, you know, we have, it's very similar for us, even though we obviously didn't know each other until our 30s. We have a little bit similar stories. And I think that is kind of like what maybe brought us together and why we view ag in like kind of a unique and maybe slightly different way. So we're going to be kind of talking about that. So I think we should start maybe with like growing up on the ranch and farm, because I always feel like I have a different experience growing up on our ranch than a lot of other ag kids. And I don't know if you feel that way. All right, we'll start and then I'll, I'll add my two cents. Well, I see it a lot in like my own kids, you know, Tad is very integrated into the operation. He worked for us throughout the summer. And I obviously worked on my family ranch too in the summer, but I feel like I got all the shit jobs. Like I had to like scrape the barn and paint the barn, you know, and Tad is much more, I would say like an integral part of the operation at certain times. Like if Luke is gone for vacation, like Tad will be the one that feeds or if, you know, Luke has an appointment or something like Tad can operate all the machinery. He like, he's almost like an, uh, per diem employee, you know, and I felt like I didn't have that role in our operation. Yeah, I'll second that. I did not have like an integral role on our farm. And I think a lot of it was because I didn't see myself uh, ending up in ag. So I, I was like not interested, to be honest. And I was super into academics. Um, I remember some conversations with my dad that was like, you can either get a scholarship to college that pays for college, or you can have a part-time job that won't even probably come close to paying for what your scholarship will. And so that was like a big part of my focus. Uh, that's not to say I like didn't help out. I mean, my brothers had very integral parts. Like they were prepping to ultimately be in farming and agriculture and dairy farming. And I just wasn't. And so I, I can I can relate on the shit jobs. I remember we lived on a highway and people would throw trash out. Like one of my jobs was always I had to go along the highway and pick up trash. And that was Same. like 
important job in my family to for me to do. I did help out some summers during harvest, I would like run the scale checks and I would enter like dairy comp stuff. But it was very like I was definitely helping someone else during a busy time of year. It was not like my full time job. And I don't think it had anything to do with my parents. I think people would automatically assume because you just alluded to the fact that like my brothers were an integral part. And I talked about like how Tad is an integral part. And I don't think it had anything to do with like sexism on our operation at all. Um Part of me thinks that I always say that I I feel like my parents gave us the gift of choice a little bit. And had I maybe said like, dad, I want to be the one to rake the bales or stack the bale. Actually, he did have me stack bales once and it was a disaster. But (laughs) I think if it had been the same thing, like expressed more interest where I was like, can I go along? Can I do this? Will you teach me this? My dad probably would have. I think my parents were really conscientious of not wanting to force ag down our throats they always said that they encouraged us to get a job outside of agriculture because if we ever came back, they wanted to know it was by choice and not force. Like if the only thing we went off was to get an education in agriculture, obviously we're going to end up back in agriculture. And I don't think my parents wanted to create that environment where any of their daughters were somewhere on the ranch working for the ranch because they, they had to, they didn't have any other choice. And so I think that was probably part of it. I think me, for as far as sexism goes, is probably a combination. And you were a single, you were all girls, whereas I was like boy, girl, boy, girl growing up. We both are from families of four, but you have four girls. I have two boys, two girls in my family, and I'm the oldest girl. I think if I had expressed more interest, kind of like what you said, my parents would have fostered that. I did not express interest. Like I definitely, you know, did not. Although I feel like I was like interested adjacent, but I think. I didn't see a lot of women in agriculture roles on the dairy. And so it wasn't my parents. It was more like, I feel like just like programming. I don't know if programming is the right word, but like I didn't see women in ag. And so I, even though I was technically interested, like I remember being at the shop and, you know, being a kind of a part of the dairy, but I never like could see as an adult, like what my role was because I didn't see a lot of women in ag. And so I will say, I think that's like part of my why and a little bit like very much of like my mission as an adult is I want women to see, I want young girls, I want my girls to see women in different ag roles, like even in the environmental science role. Like I think that's not like super common on dairy farms. Um, You know, most of my coworkers were men when I worked for the third, you know, party company. And so for me, it was, maybe a little bit of sexism, but it didn't come from my parents. I always joke my dad is like the most low-key feminist ever (laughs) with me and my sister just being very like dominant career woman, like driven. Um, He's extremely supportive. So I think it probably was even me just being in my own head as a kid a little bit of like what examples were out there for me. It's so interesting you say that. I've never thought about that, but our family ranch was through my dad. And so my dad's parents were on there, my grandma and grandpa. um, And they were obviously you know, their house was next to our house. Like we, you grew up with like, it was a very close, um, I guess in proximity and their roles on the operation. But now that I think about it, you know, my grandma, I never saw her out with my grandpa. I'm sure maybe when she was younger, that was probably different, but at least the age they were when I was growing up, my grandma was very much in the house and she ran all the books. And so obviously that was imprinted on me that like that was a female role without them saying that or doing anything. And then my mom, um, I don't really remember her often going out with my dad either. And so maybe without me even realizing it was imprinted on me a little bit that like women maybe aren't out as much. I mean, looking back, all of our employees were males. And so it was definitely 
just a plethora of males that were out doing like everything on the ranch. And then the two women I had on the ranch were either my grandma or my mom. And both of them were going to be in the house. There's a massive shift, though, in agriculture. I feel it. I see it. Um, More women are graduating uh, with large animal vet degrees than men at this point in time. And so I I do think that you're getting to see. I mean, that's what Guinevere wants to be when she grows up as a large animal vet. And I I attribute that to the fact she's had some really strong female role models in that space. Like, it's a very obvious space for her. Like, when she looks at the dairy and she sees where could she see herself, it doesn't surprise me she sees herself in the large animal vet role. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going back to what you said about your why or your mission about sharing online so that, you know, women have other women to look up to. I don't necessarily carry that vision to my social channels. Um, I do pretty heavily with my family. It's always been very important to me that I tag along with Luke or I am present on the operation with Luke. And I think I'm unpacking it now live on the episode, but I think it's probably because I never saw my mom do that with my dad. And I think, I mean, like I'm inferring, I'm probably putting like words and feelings on my mother, but sometimes I feel like she can feel like she doesn't know a ton about agriculture, like to carry, like to walk into a room of agriculture, people in it, I think would intimidate my mom because she wouldn't be able to maybe carry on a conversation with like a grain farmer or like, you know, other areas of agriculture that she could maybe carry on when it comes to like our operation. And that was one thing that I picked up on is that like, my mom has that, I think, insecurity when it comes to agriculture as a whole. And so I've always been very adamant that I will take along with Luke because I will pick up and absorb. I'll be able to ask him questions. You know, and I feel like I can walk into a room really confidently now and carry on conversations, whether it's like talking to our vet about certain things or the people that are dropping off the, you know, the distiller's grains or like whatever it is. I feel that by putting myself out on the day-to-day, I like glean so much information. It makes me so much more confident. So for anyone who's tuning in that maybe is in that like less involved role, still take along because you'll be surprised at how much you pick up just by going along for the tailor ride to like drop the cattle off at the sale barn. You know, I mean, there's just so much opportunity to like feel like you're part of the operation without having that like clock in nine to five job. I knew that this episode was going to be like one that hits close to home and I can already feel like, you know, when you're like not going to cry, but you can just feel like the emotion building. I totally can and already in this episode. And um, I knew it was probably going to be like that because for me, um, you know, I have really tried to make myself involved. Kind of like you said, like I try to go out to the co-op meeting, especially when I was younger and I was really trying to find my place like in the farm because I did ultimately when I came back from college, I did want to be involved in the farm, but I didn't come back to my family farm. I came back to my husband's family farm, which was already a well-oiled machine with, you know, he has six brothers. Five of those brothers are on the dairy. And I have struggled for years. I mean, over a decade now with what my place is on Daniel's family dairy. And I feel like in the last few years, I've finally come to like a lot of peace that I have just built what I built with you and with myself and my career. And that has brought me a lot of peace. But there's still like a piece of my heartstrings that tug towards wishing I was more involved directly with the dairy and just not totally understanding where I fit. But I will say I always try to be involved, whether that is going to meetings, whether it's going out with Daniel, whether asking him the questions, which just trying to be involved because I feel like eventually you know, the older you get, I guess the kind of the wiser you get. But I'm like, I think eventually it will serve me to have been like striving to be more involved and I will find my place ultimately. Um, But it is something I have really, really struggled with. I mean, you know that on like a personal level. I do know that. 
Um, I also think it helps me because I want those boys to have memories of me out on the operation too. And not just Luke. Like I, Luke's already their favorite because they associate with him like rides in the skidster. <laughs> Moms are so boring. <laughs> I know I, the worst, all you have to do is sit in the ranger and look out the window. Um, but I have so many memories of like one of my favorite memories of the ranch is being like my dad would pitch um, hay off the back. He'd feed cattle like pitching off the hay instead of like rolling it out. And he would always put the truck like all ranch kids can relate to this, but he'll put the truck in neutral and you got to steer it through the um, pasture, the field. And then he pitched the hay off the back. And then that's like one of my core memories of being on the ranch or like going out and changing pivots with him in the summer. Like to this day, the sound of pivots make me think of dad, my dad. And it's such a fond memory for me. And I don't have any of those memories of being out on the ranch with my mom. And I don't, I selfishly want to be part of my children's memories. And so <laughs> that is the other reason that if Luca, I'm like, what do you, if you're just going to check cows, like, okay, great. Luke, like I will come with the kids and we'll tag along. Like I'm not always serving a purpose. Like 40% of the time, 50% of the time when I'm with Luke, I am like literally of no service at all. But it's like about the memories for my family too. Yeah. So to pivot a little bit, I guess this kind of gets us into, you know, we obviously didn't see ourselves in ag, but ultimately ended up both of us falling back in love with agriculture so deeply and like being wanting to be an integral part. I guess my like the next questions we had from the disco was kind of like, why didn't you see yourself in ag post-college? And what was, was there another idea for your life? And to me, those are kind of tied together. So maybe we could um, start there for our next question. Yeah. So I graduated with a degree in pharmacy and I was working as a full-time pharmacist, um, for like a clinic slash hospital in a bigger city in Montana when I met Luke. And I honestly did not see that changing. Like I lived near our family ranch and I spent a ton of time out there. Like Tad and I would go out almost every single weekend and I just spent a ton of time there, but I did not have the desire to move out there. Like I liked living in the city, which is so odd, like looking back now, but at that phase of my life, I did. I enjoyed living in the city. I lived near one of my my oldest sister. So I have two sisters on the ranch. And then my oldest sister lived in the same city, Bozeman, that I did. And so I lived near her and I was really happy with my job. I love pharmacy. I loved the hospital I was at. I love my coworkers. I just really did not see that changing for me. And then I remember when I met Luke and I was like, son of a bitch, am I really going to marry a rancher? Like, <laughs> am I really going to marry a rancher? And I actually like had like internal... I don't know the right word I'm looking for, but like I had to think about it a lot. Like, is this, am I going to put myself back on a ranch and in that lifestyle? Like, is do I want my money tied to agriculture again? Do I want the hours of agriculture? Do I want to be remarried to agriculture? So I guess to answer the question, like I really did not envision my life being what it is now. Um, and the only reason it is what it is now is because I fell in love with a man that was so adamant to have this as lifestyle. I think this is where we have like a ton of similarities. Um, when I went away to college, I went far from home. I remember I knew one girl from my hometown that went to the same college and I was so irritated about it. Not irritated, but I was like, oh, I wanted to go to college where I didn't know a single person where I could just like be me, not be from a small town, not be where everyone knew me. And I like fully immersed myself in Greek life. Like I was classic Southern Arizona sorority girl, which if you've seen the videos of like Rush Week and all those that have been going around around on the internet right now. Like that is, was my life. I, um, was not involved in any type of agriculture in college. And I ultimately got my degree in environmental science, but I actually was a pre-law like environmental science. So I studied for my LSAT, took my LSAT. Um, if you listen to the episode with our husbands, like Daniel and I, while we knew each other our whole life, we didn't start dating until my junior year of college. And so I was very well established in like my career path and thinking, 
I was going to go either to law school or probably move to like a Dallas Fort Worth area and like work for a co- like a large environmental consulting firm is kind of where so I saw funny. myself. So I know. Can you imagine me as a lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I really, that's like what I thought I'd be my entire, like most of my life. It's so crazy. And Daniel, obviously when we started dating was kind of like, you are not like moving. Like we had already been long distance for two years, uh, eight hours away. And so he was basically like, you are not going away to law school for like another three years. And, um, so yeah, I had a lot of like internal turmoil as well of like, whether I really want, I didn't see myself moving back to my hometown. Like that was something I struggled with. Maybe not as much the dairy, but I did not see myself ending up back here. And just like, I had just gone off and done something so different that it was hard for me to imagine like packing all that back up and like fitting back in like my hometown box. Does that kind of, that's just how I like saw it, I guess. Um, and then ag was probably like bundled up in that too. And then I feel like though, like once we got married, I realized very quickly how much I loved, you know, agriculture at its roots and was so happy to be back. But it was definitely like a long thought process during our dating of like whether that was truly what I wanted or not. Well, so to go back to the question, like why didn't we see ourselves in ag? Obviously one was like my degree, right? So pharmacy. Um, Another was, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I guess I always felt like if I was going to marry a rancher, it wouldn't be what I am now, which is like going to their ranch. It was like, I was going to marry someone to bring back to my family ranch. Like I associated agriculture with my family ranch, like not with the millions of other, like not millions, but thousands of other ranches out there. And I just didn't envision meeting someone I didn't think I'd move from Bozeman either. So I was like, I don't feel like I'm going to meet someone here in Bozeman that owns a ranch that wants to live on my family ranch and like work for my dad. And so I think that like was a weird thought process I had about like bringing someone to our family ranch. I don't know. I, I said like, I didn't really see a place on my family farm for myself ever. Like I just, I had two brothers, like just knowing the size of the operation, like in my mind, which now neither of my brothers are involved in dairy at all. So it's kind of like ironic, but at the time they very much were like, they wanted to continue farming and dairy farming. And so I didn't really see a place for myself. So no, I never saw anyone coming back, but I will say, which all of agriculture is like this, but dairy is very like the, um, it's very volatile markets. And like I said, all of ag's like that, but it's very high highs and very low lows. And I feel like some very probably important years of my life, it was very low. And I just remember being like, I don't want to feel this way. Like I don't want our entire business to be like wrapped up, like our family's income to be wrapped up in one sole thing that we have no control over at all. And I'm not going to lie, making money is very appealing to me. Like I remember going to college being like, how do I make a, like enough money to sustain my lifestyle independent of anyone else? Like I wanted to be able to provide the lifestyle I wanted for myself. And so it was, I like, that probably sounds so shallow of me, but I just, I really remember putting a lot of value on like how much money I can make out of a career. And that was important to me. No, I mean, I've said multiple times that I never, I think mine's like a more PR way to say it, but like I never (laughs) imagined my, uh, my income being tied to agriculture you know, and, and that was part of the reason. And I think that's part of the reason my parents gave us that gift too, of like, go get your education and something else. Like you can, not that like, I, I completely agree that like getting a, 
degree in like ag business or mechanics or things like that that actually apply to the operation is helpful and beneficial. But you can still come back and work on the operation even if you didn't get a degree outside of agriculture. And so I think that's where my parents' mindset was like, if we go through the low, low or you're on operation and it is low, low, like you still have a way to make money that isn't tied to agriculture. And I think that's actually a really beautiful gift they gave us. I agree. So talking about college, I guess kind of our time in college, I alluded that I was not involved in ag, but I think that actually has been very, uh, has served me very well now um, in what we do. I feel like that I completely removed myself from agriculture and immersed myself in just the world outside of agriculture, very much just like modern, I guess, America, urban America, uh, was very eye-opening. It it probably forms most of my decisions about how I share it online, about how, and, and just in everyday life, like thinking about even being on the DMI board now for like dairy marketing. Like I think a lot about you know, the conversations I had around agriculture with people that were removed, like my friends, and even now following them still on social media and conversations we continue to have or things I see that they're posting really has formed a lot of like, how I think ag could do a better job of like reaching those people not in agriculture. Yeah, one of the questions it was actually my favorite question you guys submitted was, would you do your university and master programs over knowing what you do now? So like essentially, would I still go through pharmacy school knowing that right now I'm like not practicing pharmacy? And 100% yes, I absolutely would. I feel, um, I honestly feel like I love having something that's mine. That's not part of the operation selfishly. So like I do still have a job I can go to if I choose to, like the reason I'm not practicing pharmacy is a choice. And if I choose to make a different choice, I still have that career to go back to that is mine that I worked for. I can always remember my mother saying like, education is the one thing that no one can ever take away from you. And she's right. Yeah. I mean, she's right. I, no one will be able to take away my pharmacy degree from me. And so I love having that from like the selfish, like mine, I created it, I did it. And then also obviously from like the income fallback, like if our ranch did go through a really hard time, I could go get a pharmacy job full time and commute and work somewhere if I wanted to. And yeah, I wouldn't change it. I absolutely would not change going through that degree and, and getting all like doing all that work, I guess, um, even though I'm not practicing it right now. I completely second that. I mean, I feel like it would be impossible to think that when I was in college in 2007 is my freshman year that I would like make my income off of an app that didn't even exist. Like you had to go through the journey of getting to where you are. And like everything that I learned in that environmental degree has like been the foundation of ultimately what I've done, what I've been interested in. I also place a ton of value on the fact that I got like far enough away from home that I couldn't just like hop over. I mean, I came home plenty. Driving has never bothered me. My friends in college always made jokes that I was a truck driver because I could just do that eight hour drive, like no problem home. But it was far enough that I just, like I said, I really liked that I didn't know anyone. And it just gave me the opportunity to decide who I wanted to be individual, like outside of my family, outside of my being an ag, outside of being in my small town. And I can't, there's like not a value I can place on that. Like I will encourage my children to go further away from home, like at least five, eight, 10 hours, however far. My sister went like 19 hours away. So she's crazy, but um, she loved it. But I just think there was a ton of value in like kind of finding yourself a little bit in those, you know, late teen, early 20 years. Totally. I, it's funny. I don't think we've ever talked about this because I feel that exact same way, but I've never heard you say that. 
but I actually am encouraging Tad to go out of state as much as, um, and he really wants to, so it wouldn't, you know, be, it's not like I'm forcing him to, but I think I would still, if he was like kind of wanting to stay home or was more of a homebody, I would challenge him to go somewhere where he didn't know anyone and like his other classmates weren't going. I cannot believe the growth I had going to a university where I didn't know a single soul and I did not know a single soul in the community. I went to my freshman year, I went to and sophomore year, I went to Washington State in Pullman, go Cougs. And so it's obviously like a smaller town with like a huge campus and I didn't know anyone. And coming from a really small school where I graduated with the same kids I went to kindergarten with, I like had to learn social skills all over again. Like I had to learn how to approach people and like ask them if I could sit with them at lunch and like find someone to walk with through classes and taught, like learn how to retalk to someone in class. Like I had to essentially learn how to make friends again. And I remember like it was really painful and really, really hard, but I experienced the most growth I think I have ever experienced, like looking back on my life now in those years. And it was because I was challenged so much to like be outside of a comfort zone outside of a box that I was like, was really safe for me, honestly, like growing up in such a small town. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we've definitely never talked about this because I have a ton. I remember one time uh, my freshman year probably was like September, October. I remember it was like slightly cooler in Tucson. Um, but I, it probably was a panic attack is the only thing I can like say, but I like got myself, I was walking home from class and I remember being like, I don't know anyone here. Like I literally, I mean, you know, the people in your dorms that you kind of met, but I just remember this overwhelming feeling of being like very alone. But at the same time, like, I'm glad I didn't like, I'm glad my parents didn't say like, yeah, come home or you can like give up. I mean, I, they would have probably made me finish out the entire year, even if I had said that, but I had to like work through that. And I remember it took almost till the end of my freshman year for me to really find my like core group of friends that were ultimately my friends for, you know, the next three years. Like it took time to learn those social skills. Absolutely. Because I had never been really like that forced into it, I guess. So it was just very like out of my comfort zone and really good for me. If you could have any job career in the world, what would it be? So it's funny you asked that because actually just yesterday, Guinevere was playing a game with the whole family. If you could be anything, but except for what you are now, what would you be? And I like could not answer her. I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. So I ultimately said, um, I wouldn't mind being like a chef. Like, I feel like it's ag adjacent that uh, I would still like to be involved in like food. And I feel like there'd probably be some piece of it then would still be connecting back to like where that food came from. And so that was like the best I could come up with. So I'm going to give you guys the same answer. Like, I think I'd like to be a chef. It's interesting. I, when I was thinking about this, all the things that popped, I have like a gazillion. I'm like, oh, I'd love to do this. And this, and this <laughs> of course and this. you would. <laughs> I know. But I, they're all create, they're all like in the creative space, which is very interesting. And they all actually like weirdly are adjacent. I can see how, since I don't have those as like actual tangible options for me, I'm choosing to do what I'm doing on social media. Cause one of the things I think I would love and would actually excel at is being um, like a producer on shoots like sets like I could see one that. of the reasons I love brand campaigns and stuff isn't like the modeling I actually hate that part but I love the picking a theme I love picking out my outfit like I love picking the shoot of where we're going to like have it like I love the whole process basically leading all the way up until like the models would come in and I think honestly if um I hadn't chosen pharmacy. Like if I hadn't gotten pregnant at such a young age and needed like a career that was like going to provide immediate income and a very good job for me. Like if I just got to go off and be like a 19 year old college student, like just live in life, I think I would have honestly ventured off to New York and tried to do the modeling route and then ended up 
being like a behind the scenes, like production managing position, because I would have realized that's actually the part I love most is like setting the stage and creating the stage. I could absolutely see that. Uh, for me with the chef, actually, whenever I was applying to be on Master Chef, it was really hard for me to end up turning that down because I was like envisioned this whole other life for myself of being able to do this. And I just remember even the the weeks leading up to it where I had to like, you know, showcase my recipes and send in all the videos. Like I loved it. I was like thriving with like coming up with new ideas and just like that kind of creative piece. Um, and so I could, I don't know, it's just funny to envision what else your life could have been like and how it could be different. I would love to go to culinary school. I would love to like study abroad for like four weeks somewhere and just like learn the art of cooking and in Tuscany and just so I think I'll be doing We're going to do that together, but I'm going to get my yoga certification. And so then we can have like a health and wellness like boutique somewhere bougie and you can be the chef and I will just teach people yoga all day. So perfect. I love that for us. You wanted to be the chef. (laughs) I know. But if I'm being honest that far in life, no, I'm done. Then I want to do something just relaxing that I just like meditate and do yoga all day. So sorry. No. In our retirement years, I don't want to be a chef. You can do that. Okay. Do we want to get into our, we have some rapid fire questions. We want to get into those. Yep. Okay. First one, latest obsession. You go first because I have like too many right now and I need to hear what you say before I decide. Oh, my Kindle. Oh, duh. I'm so obsessed with it, you guys. I'm so obsessed with it. I'm actually going to share it in our newsletter too, so you guys will hear it there. But I just can't get enough of my Kindle. I've been doing so many things that I've been obsessed with. So I'm just like, I've just changed my entire routine lately and I'm loving it so much. It's hard for me to pick one. But I'm going to say my um, beef tallow skincare and foundation and makeup from Tubes & Co., I am like low-key obsessed. It is my entire skincare is now um, from Tubes & Co. And I am slowly transitioning all of my makeup to Tubes & Co. as well. And they're all like tallow-based, very low ingredient. And I love them. I mean, I feel like my skin is like pretty radiant right now. Glowing. Glowing. <laughs> uh, so I love it. Code Discover. We do have a... Yeah, we do have a code for them. You guys discover. I have not been able to transition all my stuff with like you yet. I listen, I will stand by the fact that if I get sent skincare, I will use it. And so I have bottles to use up before I make the transition, but I have been using the tallow um, hydrating stick and I am capital O obsessed with it. I think it's the size. I love how big it is. Yeah. It's favorite. I need to share that on my Instagram. Okay. Do you have any tattoos? Oh my gosh. So you don't know this. which I found out as we were preparing for this episode, I had a tattoo. I got it when I was 18, summer after I graduated. And I ultimately got it removed. I got it with my boyfriend at the time. It wasn't like a tattoo with him. I wanted a tattoo, but we went together and got our first tattoos. And so it just was like tied to that relationship, even though it had nothing to do with it. So I ultimately got it removed. Um, I think right before I started dating Dan, actually, like maybe that summer before we started dating. So no, I have no tattoos now. I'm tattoo free. What was it up? It was like a heart. It was just, it was on my butt. Classy. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> I, classy choices I made. <laughs> I On your way to Fort Worth to work as a lawyer. <laughs> right, right. I know I have two, I have like two extreme personalities, like my super unprofessional and my super professional life. <laughs> and I just am in a constant struggle between those two things. All right, you go. I do not either, but Tad and I are going to get matching tattoos. Uh, That is one person I don't think I'll regret getting a tattoo with. 
So uh, within probably by the end of the year, uh, we had it scheduled once and we had to cancel. And then so whenever we can get in, Ted's in football right now. So I'm kind of just thinking we should wait until he's done with football season, like just wait another month and we can go get him. So by the end of 2023, I should have my first tattoo. I'm excited for you. I've been sending you locations of where I think you should get it. I loved that last one I just sent you. I really like the last location you sent me. Do you want to tell people where it's at or are you saving that? I'm going to save it for when I get it. Okay. Okay. Um, last rapid fire question. Do you believe in love at first sight? This is the one that came up at the party we were at. So, Oh, I was going to ask what Dan's question was. Yep. I can go first. I have my answer formulated. I see you thinking your wheels are turning. Okay, go ahead. So I do obviously do not believe in love at first sight since I met Dan when I was three <laughs> and he was five and he did not ask me on my first date until I was 21 and he was 23. Um, but I believe in a moment where I knew he was the one and it was probably only like three weeks into us dating. I had just gotten out of a really long-term relationship. So it was kind of wild that just three weeks into this new relationship, Daniel walked in the door. I can tell you exactly what he's wearing, exactly where he was standing. It's in our house that we still live in um, because Daniel lived in our house before we got married. And I was like, I'm going to marry this man. And it was just like overwhelming. I text my best friend in college and was like, I'm going to marry this guy. And she was like, you are absolutely nuts. You just got out of a relationship. This is supposed to be like our single era coming into my junior year of college. And it was not. I was like head over heels. And that was it for me. What was Dan doing? He was, uh, we had a Wednesday night barbecue. He'd always have a Wednesday night barbecue with his brothers. And so we had all our friends over and he came in wearing, (laughs) this is so embarrassing, cargo shorts. (laughs) And like he had like a camo mask on because the wind was blowing terrible in New Mexico. It was like July and he was having a barbecue and he came in and you could just tell he was just so happy to be barbecuing with his friends and just the joy he felt. I just remember being like, that's what I want to marry. I want to marry someone that's that happy sitting in Clovis, New Mexico with a couple friends, a beer and a good steak. Like it was just, I get goosebumps thinking about it now. Like that was like, I was like, I could be happy the rest of my life with someone that is that happy with just such a simple day. Do you know what I mean? With his cargo shorts and his frosted Oh my God. (laughs) There's a lot happening in Daniel's (laughs) till I got a hold of Daniel's wardrobe. Okay, guys. We have made vast improvements. So I don't know if I believe in love at first sight, but I, you know this about me. I am a, I'm very connected to my gut. I really believe in gut intuition. And so I do believe in like a gut feeling at first sight. And I have had it with almost all the men I've been attracted to and dated. I can remember exact moments, kind of like you, but it was usually like first seeing them. And I can remember with Luke being like a confidence thing. I was like, he's so comp. Like I was immediately drawn to him for like his confidence and how he was like just acting at the sale, um, the bull sale. And so I believe in that moment where I have like a gut intuition of like, you are someone I want to like spend time getting to know or not. And it's very like quick for me. And it happens all the time. Like I've never really I guess like invested time in people where I'm like, Oh, I'm not sure if I like them. I don't know. I'm just kind of figuring out like I've always known right away whether I like could see myself trying to date that person or not. Do you feel like there was like a theme that they alluded like a, some type of similar energy? Cause I've felt that like in my, if you looked at my dating, you'd be like, none of the guys you've dated have been at all like, but they've all been like very hardworking and funny like in different ways, but like that was like kind of at the core of like a theme, I feel like in my like dating history, would you did, was there some kind of energy that you felt like a certain? I've never thought about this before. I feel like our podcasts are turning into like live therapy for me where I'm <laughs> not like, I'm going to feel so relieved after this. 
not really. I'm bearing my soul to a bunch of <laughs> listeners. I actually think it is maybe I'd have to like think about it a little bit more. But when you asked me that, the first thing that popped up is all of them are confident in who they were in themselves. Mm. And I think that was something I was really attracted to is that they were all very, very confident and self yeah, assured in who they are, how they're acting, like the the person that they are, they've all been very confident in that. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, maybe we have some single girls listening. I feel like somehow this maybe turned into some great dating advice. Like, take it, run with it, do what you will with it. Yeah, maybe we need to do a personal episode on dating. Who knows? Oh. We're open to anything, you guys. So whatever you guys want to hear us talk about, please let us know because we will have um, this coming up again at the end of October. So, All right. Till then, we will see you guys on Thursday.